So yesterday we finished off, basically finished off speaking about the, the parsas, right? We were speaking about the different layers and screens that exist between Hashem and our world, bless you, that allow the light to descend in a way that the light changes in quality and quantity. So by the time it gets to us, it is so diluted, it's so covered over that we're able to exist as separate beings who then come close to Hashem from that place of separateness. So yesterday we were speaking about that there are different types of parses. There are some parses, some screens that when the light of Hashem goes through, um, it's not changed so dramatically. It's reduced a little bit, but not too dramatically. And that's the equivalent of being Kodesh to Kodesh. Like when we bless after, when Shabbos ends and it goes into Yom Tov, we say Hamavdil, then Kodesh le Kodesh. And so there's a separation, but not, enti- not an entirely new light. As opposed to Ben Kodesh Lechol, where between Shabbat and the regular weekday, where the light as it comes through this parsa is completely changed. And we said that even though, even when we're talking about such a big screen and a concealment of Hashem, the light is still, we're able to draw down light from beyond the screen and the limitation and the concealment down into our world, right? That we can draw energy from Shabbos, the three days after Shabbos, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, draw down from the previous Shabbos, and then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, draw from the upcoming Shabbos. So even if we find ourselves behind the screen, right, in a world of concealment, we can draw down this truth and this bittle, this feeling of, I'm going to give myself over to Hashem from the light as it exists before it was um, before it was reduced. So we said that, but and that's why we say we bless the havdalah, right? We say Baruch Hamavdil Ben Kodesh Lachol, and that's what we say actually as Shabbos comes out, right? Are you guys familiar with that? Baruch Hamavdil Kodesh Lachol. We say it straight away, and the idea is um, we're not separating Shabbos, right? As we said, we're not separating between Shabbos and the weekday. That happens automatically the moment Shabbos ends. But what we're doing when we say Baruch Hamavdil Ben Kodesh Lachol, we said Baruch means to bless but also Baruch means to draw down. We are drawing down from the energy of Shabbos into Chol. That's what we're doing when we say Havdalah, and when we say Baruch HaMavdil B'Kodesh Lechol. So, we are up to, I think the third paragraph on page eight. Yeah. We said, the last thing we said in fourth paragraph, I guess, if you count that little parenthesis. But in the second paragraph, what we said was that we have a commandment from the Torah in the context of when we were commanded to keep Shabbos, it says, first, before it says about Shabbos, it says that you should work for six days. For six days you should work, and on the seventh day you should rest. So working during the week is actually an obligation, just as much as resting on Shabbat is. And we learn from this that, that we need to have moments in the weekday where we draw down this light, but we can't constantly be in a state of bittal. Constantly being in a state of bittal, Tashem, would look like the bowing down that we do during Shemona Asrei, which is a brief bow that we do one, two, three times a day. The ultimate state of Bittol, Shemona Asrei, when we're not speaking, we're not gesturing, we're standing like angels with our feet together, we're concentrating, and then within that we're bowing down, right? The bowing that we do specifically in Modim is the state of Bittol that we're representing. We can't be in that state all the time. We wouldn't be able to work, and we're obligated to work and to live in this world. So there is an advantage to these screens and to this um, reduction of the light, which is that we're able to not actually be in a constant state of bittal like we are in Shmonasre, but rather we're able to do our work and draw down from those moments of bittal into the rest of the week. 
So let's continue inside. We're going to get very briefly back to, I know you're coming at the end, right? Um, we, this is a mimer speaking about Brit Milah, actually, even though it doesn't sound, we haven't mentioned a word of it yet. Um, it's a mimer from the Alter Rebbe. And we started off trying to understand what, what's the deal with Brit Milah, as we learn about in this week's Parsha. And what's the connection with Avram getting his new name, Avraham? So he said, first we have to understand about these screens that separate between different levels of Hashem's light to the point that Hashem's light comes through all of these screens and separations and concealments down into this world in a limited way. And we're going to connect this idea in two more paragraphs back to Avram, Avraham, and the Brit Milah. Okay, so we're going to get there. Let's just finish off this idea that we were speaking about um, yesterday. We're in the middle of an idea. Again, one, two, three, four paragraphs on the right side of page eight. One, two, three. Three paragraphs, I guess. Ube'emet. Ube'emet ksev. The truth is that it says in Tehilim, Yegia kapecha ki soichel. That you will eat from the hard work of your hands. Al yadei lamad tet malachat through doing the 39 malachot that we're not allowed to do on Shabbos, which we do during the week, to, to live. Hazorea, those who put the seeds in, v'achoresh, and the plowing, v'hakotzer, and the gathering. All of these things we're not allowed to do on Shabbos, which we have to do during the week to make a living and to live. Um, we, that's the way that we eat, through hard work. know this means, she'al yadei ma'aseh, that specifically through action, and through the hard work, we're able to draw down a new light of Hashem. We can create something new. So we can fulfill the verse that we started off the Mimer with, which was that God renews the world constantly. And this is an idea that we spoke about before, about how when we partner with Hashem in creation, in doing the hard work that we have to do during the week, and finding Hashem within that, we're drawing down a new light. We're not only drawing light down as it existed before the separation down, we're drawing down a light that's never existed before and we become partners with Hashem in creation. Remember the original question we had was, if God loved Britmila so much, why didn't he make all men be born circumcised? If he loved it so much, just make man in the image of how you love man to be. And the answer was Asher bara Elohim Lasot, that when we speak, when we speak about the story of creation in Bereshit, it says, as God created to do. That God didn't just create a world and say, that's it, it's totally finished. He created a world and he put man in that world to perfect it. And so the answer that Rabbi Akiva gave to this philosopher's question was, Turmusin Srichin Tikun, that these beans need to be work. They need to be cooked. The answer was that there was a bean at that time, which had to be cooked seven times in, in order to be edible. And once it was edible, it was actually a beautiful, delicious, satisfying dish. So just as the beans need this process, so too the world actually needs this process. Hashem didn't make the world and say, just enjoy it. He made the world, he finished creation, and then he said, you need to perfect it now. You need to get to work. And so that's very much going back to the idea of Brit Milah. Hashem didn't create man perfect on purpose so that we know that we need to perfect man. We see that within the, within the rectification of the body itself, but obviously within, our, within ourselves, within our soul, and within the world around us. La foch meriro limitiko. Our job is to transform that which is bitter into that which is sweet. 
And that is very much a process of almost everything that we eat, right? A basic food like bread takes a lot of work to go from the grain as you plant it, from the seed as you have to plant it in the ground to the bread that's ready to eat. That seed is not edible. And even the wheat, the raw wheat is not edible. It has to go through all of these processes. And this is representative of the fact that in this life we need to work and our job is to make the world better. As it says, Liot Mishet Tarach Be'erev Shabbat Yochel Shabbat. Whoever works hard to prepare for the Shabbat will be able to eat well on the Shabbat. Everything will be raised up on this level of Shabbat. And if anybody did learn the Mayim Rabim, Mayim a little bit more in depth that we spoke about briefly last week, this idea is elaborated there quite at length. The work that you do before Shabbat, the hard work that you do to transform the mundane week into something holy, that is experienced on Shabbat. We, the whole week gets then elevated and raised up on Shabbat. Shabbat is rest which is the bitl that we spoke about like in Shmon where we are putting everything else aside and giving ourselves over to Hashem. The e efshar liot kula Shabbat. But we can't have a state where we're always in Shabbat, where we're always bowing down in Shmon We have to have those moments where we work hard. What's the connection here? Why are we speaking about this? Because we spoke at length about the parses and about the concealment and about how far away we are from Hashem and how the light has to go through hundreds of thousands, if not more, of, of, you know, of concealment and of tzimtzum. And the idea is that this is not a negative thing. It's a very positive thing. Because in order to rest on Shabbat, you have to work. In order to experience bittel, you first have to feel separate. And therefore, we need all of these screens and we need all of these tzimtzumim, these contractions and concealments, so that we can feel separate, so that we can live in a world that is that needs perfecting, that we need to work hard for our bread. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat bread, right? That was, that was what Hashem told Adam. You're leaving Gan Eden now, and now you're going to have to work hard. That hard work is actually extremely necessary for the purpose of creation. It's not just a negative side effect of Hashem concealing himself. It's the purpose of why Hashem concealed himself, so that we can feel separate and then come close, so that we can work hard in the week and then experience the rest of Shabbat. Rak trila liyot it should always start out first that there are weekdays that then lead into Shabbat. And now we're taking everything that we've just said, right? And we're going back to Brit Milah, okay? Any questions, comments so far? I know that we're, we're jumping in here. Um, are we clear, so? Uh, basically, like, the more... Okay, we were saying the more you work during the week, the more you experience Shabbat. You can't have Shabbat without working, and that's similar to our relationship with God. That's what you're saying? Yeah, that in order to connect with God, right, and to have bittal, which is what Hashem wants from us, yeah. right, we first have to experience ourselves as being separate. God wanted a world where people feel separate from Him, and from that place of separateness, comes close. God wanted a world that was not finished and from that place of an unfinished, imperfect world to make it perfect. So it's, we see that with Shabbat, working so that you can rest on Shabbat. We see that with the Tormisen, the example that Rabbi Akiva brought, the beans, that God made this bean that's inedible. You have to cook it and cook it and cook it and cook it seven times and then it's edible and it's nourishing. And God did that with the person himself. He created him not perfect so that we can perfect him and that's as we're going to see represented by the brit milah that we are not created perfect we are created 
with a lot of work to do. We're created with all the tools we need to do the work that we need to do. And, um, and that is possible, as we discussed, the whole concept of the screens and the parsas shows us how is it even possible for there to be people in this world who feel so far from God. If everything is God, and everything started out as being God, how did we get here? And so the answer to that question was the whole discussion of the parsas. And now that we understand how we got here, we can then ask a question, that's kind of like the Kabbalah of it, right? That was a lot of Kabbalah we were learning. Then we get to the question of Hasidus, why? How did we get here through the Parsis? Why are we here so far from God? So that we can perfect ourselves and perfect the world. God created a world that was unfinished and imperfect so that we can finish it and we can complete it and we can perfect it. So that is, that is the idea that's been uh, relayed so far in the Mimer. And again, we asked the questions of the Brit Mila. We went into this whole idea and now we can see and we already probably have an idea of how this relates back to how this relates back to Avram and how it relates back to his breast. So before we read on, is that clear? Yeah? yeah? Okay. Um, before we read on, let's speak a little bit about Avram's name before we read it inside. Avram was his name before, right? Av means, what's Av? Father. Father. And does anyone know what Ram is? Rom? Rom al Kolgayim? Um, yes, like a rum call <laughs> yeah. um, in modern Hebrew, yes. Um, you speak Hebrew from home, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, rum means elevated. Like rum al kol means that God lifted us up above all the people. So Avram means the father who is above, okay? On a practical level, Avraham is our father, right? We call him the first of our forefathers. He's the father of the Jewish people. But on a spiritual level, Abba, okay, this is Kabbalah, don't have to get too into it. I'm just letting you know. Um, Abba represents Chochmah, which is the father of all of the Sirot. It's the first one, Chochmah, God's wisdom, which as we've discussed before is the source from where the Torah comes from. It's from where our souls come from. And that's represented by what's called Abba. It's called the father. Abba is Chochmah and Bina is Ima. Bina is the feminine trait and it's the mother because Chochmah and Bina are the parents and they give birth to Da'as. Have you guys learned? We haven't gone into the spheres too much this year, right? So let's speak a little bit about Chochmah, Bina, and Da'as. Because once we understand them, we can understand how Avram, Sarah, having Yitzchak, the Brit Mila all kind of fits in and, and where his name fits in. Okay, so we have, I think we have touched on Chochmah before in this, this year, but I could be mistaken. Chochmah, first of all, means, comes from the word Koach Ma. I can write this on the board. Do we have... Oh, here we go. Chokhmah is the first of the spheres. Okay? And if you switch these words around, it's Koch. Koch means power. And Ma, what does Ma mean? What? The power of what? Ma in Hasidus, what represents betel. Because you're saying, what is it? I don't know what it is. In order to not confess, what's the word? Admit. In order to admit that you don't know what it is, you have to have bitter. You have to first have tried out with your mind, with your ego, with your understanding to get to the conclusion you can. And when you get so far that you can't go any further, you say, what? Like, what next? What now? That's chokhmah. Chokhmah is, I know there's something beyond me, but I don't know what it is. I can't grasp it. And that takes bitter. So chokhmah represents the ultimate state of bitter from all the spheres. 
and it's Chochmah means wisdom. It's the wisdom of Hashem, but it's the wisdom of the Hashem as we say, Ma, what is it? We don't fully have it understood and broken down in our minds yet. It's one idea as it exists beyond us and we're kind of reaching towards it, which necessitates the state of Betel. And again, Chochmah is also called the father because the father and the mother, when they unite and join together, they have Das. And um, it's also on the right side of Chesed. The whole right side is considered more of the masculine and the side is the feminine. Okay, and then these are the ones where they come together. And then Machot again is feminine, but anyway. So Chochmah is Hashem's wisdom. It's the source from where the Torah comes from. The Torah comes from Hashem's wisdom. When we say, Malki asked this, I think, before, but when we say Chochmah Ila'a, there's Chochmah Ila'a and Chochmah Tata'a, the higher level of wisdom and the lower level of wisdom. The higher level of wisdom represents Chochmah in Atzilot. Because as we discussed yesterday, or two days ago, I don't remember, Atzilut is the highest world, the most spiritual world. And Chochmah is the highest Sephira in the highest world. So it's like the, the loftiest of all of the spheres, and that is where the, our, the Jewish soul comes from, and that is where the Torah comes from. Okay, so that's Chochmah. Bina, what does Bina mean? Understanding. Understanding. Bina is the process from where we take the chokhmah, chokhmah, what is it? We know that there's something there, but we don't truly have it grasp in our minds, and we break it down. We break that idea down into parts, and we can start to understand it in a more logical way and order through Bina. So Bina means understanding. Bina is called the mother, Ima. Sarah represents Bina, Avon represents chokhmah. And so Bina is a state where we take that kind of, some people call Chochmah a flash of insight. You might have heard that idea that like, you have this like, the idea is there, but it's like just beyond your reach. You can't actually, if someone would ask you to explain it in that moment, right? You have that aha moment, like it makes sense, that light bulb. But if someone would say, explain it to me, until you take it over to Bina, you take the time to process it in your mind, you can't actually explain it forth, right? It's, it's, it's too lofty. So Bina is the process of taking that down. And then when Abba and Ima, when the mother and the father join together, they give birth to Da'as. Da'as means knowledge. Adam yada et Chava, and Avram knew Chava. And it's the idea that that knowledge now has become integrated into your body or into your life in some sort of way. So Das is the integration of the idea that started off as Chochmah, that was broken down in Bina, and now it's become integrated. So when you can take an idea, grasp it, understand it, and then apply it to your own life, or experience it in your own body, that's Das. And so Das is the process of drawing down the light, like drawing it down into a much more tangible, practical thing. So that means... So in this example, that would be Yitzchak, okay? The fact that they had a child, as we'll see. But Yitzchak is actually Gevura. Avram is Chesed, okay? Because again, Chochmah is on the right side. Avram is Chesed. Yitzchak is Gevura, is Gevura and Yaakov is Tiferet. So, so that's already within their character traits. We know when we look at their character traits and how they're represented, Avram was just giving, giving, giving. He gave to everybody. Yitzchak was much more calculating and judging, not in a negative way, but just 
it's actually considered, Gevura is considered more positive according to Hasidus than Chesed. It's like the next level up. And then Tiferet is the perfect blending of both of those two into Tiferet, into compassion. We're going to get, we're going to discuss more about the Sephiris um, and also like how they play out in our own soul uh, a little bit later in the year when we speak about Sephiris Omer. So Avram is the father. So Hashem's wisdom, okay, before this Brit Milan, before the whole process of Avram getting his name, was Avram. The wisdom was above. It wasn't drawn down into this world at all. But Avram lived in that place above. So remember we spoke about the light as it was above the Parsa and then as it came below the Parsa. Avram, before he got his Brit Milah, before he got his new name, was Avram. He was the father who was above. He lived in that lofty, pre-symptom, pre-contraction state. That's where he connected to Hashem from that state. And that's how he lived his life. It was in a way that was above the world and that did not impact and influence the world. Because it was too high up to actually be integrated into this reality. So Avram means Av. That's the beginning of... Oh, sorry, we didn't start to read inside. Okay, so let's start to read just this idea inside about Avram. Because until Avram had actually got his Brit Mila, everything before that, Hayashmo Avram. His name was Avram. What does the Avram mean? Av, father, which is Chochma, which is the beginning of the revelation of Hashem. It's the first of the Sephiris. Okay? It's the beginning of revelation of Yeshma'ayan, of God creating something from nothing. It's the source for all of the influence and all of the life. And it is called in the name of the Father, Av. And this revelation of Hashem's creation from, yesh to, from to, of something from nothing. Existed, it existed, Ram al-Kolgayim, as it was elevated above the nations. So Hashem's influence in this world before Avram was, had his bris remained in its source of revelation in Chochmet, hadn't been drawn down into this world in a way that it could be experienced, in a way that it can be utilized and transformed. It existed up there. Why? Because it was covered over by a screen. There was Hashem's light and life and energy as it existed in its source in Chochmah. Then there was a screen that separated between the truth of Hashem and the world. So the world was not able to truly get this light. Avram existed beyond the screen, above the screen, in the source of the light. And it wasn't coming down. So the world was still in a state where the truth of Hashem was not able to be experienced down here. It was stuck up there in its source, as well as Avram. Avram did find the source of the truth. He found God from the age of three, but he raised himself up to be on that same level. He was in a state of atzilus. He wasn't down here. He was physically down here, but he wasn't, his relationship with Hashem was not one that was based on down here. Does that make sense? The Avram, yeah? I know this might be a bit, a bit much. <laughs> it's okay? Are you, have you learned any chassidus before? A little bit. A little bit. Okay, okay. Um, definitely get it if you're like a little bit. Um, 
Are, are you following with the Avram? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Okay. Because now we're going to move on to Avraham. What changed? What does adding a hey do to change the state of Avraham, of Avram to Avraham, and to change the state of the world from one where Hashem's light exists above the screen and is not able to come down here to one where it can come down? So, specifically through the Brismila, Nikra Avraham. He got a new name, Avraham. What is Avraham? Av Hamon Goyim, the father of many nations. This was a promise that Hashem gave to Avraham in the context of him getting his bris. He promised him, you will be the father of many nations. And who comes from Avraham? Yitzchak, the Jewish people. Yishmael, right? All the Arab world. And Esav comes from Avraham, right? His, uh, his grandson, who is the father of all the Romans, which is the father of Christianity. So Avraham was literally the father of many nations on a simple level. And this was part of the promise that came with the bris milah. The new reality was you're going to be the father of many nations. He didn't have any children until then, right? Did he have Yishmael when he had his bris milah? I don't, I don't think so. When did, did no, 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 no. Yes, but that was later. later. Um, sorry, I'm just losing track of the timeline over here for a second. Hagar, Yishmael was Older than Esau, yes. Then then Yitzchak, yes. Yeah. Um, was he born yet? It's possible that he was, and that that's why he got the Brit when he was thirteen because he was already thirteen at the time. Anyway, can I? <coughs> he was a, um, Ishmael was the father of the Muslims, Arab, and then what did you say about the Christian? Um, Esau. Esau. Oh. Esau from Seir. Seir is the Romans. Yeah. Oh, Romans. Yeah. Yeah, so like <laughs> most of the world as we know it mm-hmm. comes from, I mean, the okay. East, I, got, I think I told you guys this, who, who was I speaking to? Um, I just, I think it's a medrash that says that Avraham, when he sent um, Hagar away, she went to the East and he sent her carrying many gifts. And the idea is that many, a lot of wisdom, that Avraham actually sent wisdom to the East and that a lot of the wisdom from the East comes from Avraham. It's an interesting I'm pretty sure it's a medrash. Um, but yeah, so the east doesn't come from Avram, that whole area, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but Christ, like the Romans, which the Christians and the Muslims and the Jews, they all come from Avram. So Avram is not just the father of the Jews. He's the father of many nations. And this status changed when he got the bris milah, Avraham. That's the basic. Mm-hmm. What's the deeper meaning of this, the addition of the hay, that now he's the father of many nations, that he has been able to father many nations. He's able to relate to the people as they live down here and to influence them, to be their father, to draw down hashba'ah and influence to these many nations, to the world. So his status changed from one where he related to Hashem in the source of Hashem's hashba'ah, now to one where he's able to draw down that into this world. And that happened through the Brit Milah. Because what happened when he took, got a Brit Milah? He removed a covering, right? The circumcision is removing a screen, a covering. And that's representative of removing the screen, the spiritual screen, that's separated between Avram and between Hashem as he existed in his source of Hashbah and influence and the world as it is down here. Removing that screen allowed all of that Hashbah and influence to be able to come down so that not only Avram could find himself in a state of bittal, but the whole world that has that potential. So it was that... 
Chris Miller like kind of destroyed that whole screen for everyone, not just not just for Avram. It started with Avram because then he was able to draw that down and be the father of the nations who influenced it down. But yeah, the state of the world then and then changed. Yeah. Also, what does Hamon mean? Say again. Hamon. Hamon means many. In in modern Hebrew, Hamon means like a ton. Hamon. Um, it means many. Av Hamon Goyim, father of many nations. Lihosif hitkalalot nitzotzot to add in an integration to all of these sparks in a way that now it can become included and integrated into the world down here as we know it. Because in order for this light of Hashem to be revealed completely, to the point that the sparks are able to come closely and become included under the wings of the Shekhinah, it's specifically through the bris mila. So the way that Hashem's influence gets drawn down into this physical world and is able to be experienced and used to transform the world is specifically through the bris mila. Now we're going to get into Kabbalah again about mila. But again, on a very basic level, the mila is the removing of a covering, right? On a physical level, which represents the spiritual removing of the covering that concealed Hashem's influence from being able to be integrated into this world and from Avram's influence, from being able to have an influence on this world. That changed after the Mila. So there's a very interesting idea here that we're going to break up the, the word Mila. Before we get into it, you can ask also, like, where does Sarah come into this, right? Sarah also got her name changed. She used to be Sarai and she became Sarah. So they both got a, a hey added to their name. Into this. <laughs> no, good question. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, so this is something I spoke with Yossi about because I'm trying to understand because it's not explained yeah. in the mimer. Um, where do women come into this? We don't have a brismila, right? Um, obviously, this was uh, this the Avram's brismila had a cosmic effect, a drastic change on the whole world, including the reality of women, um, and all of that. But, but how does this work? So it actually does explain it when it speaks about Bina, because Bina represents Sarah. But let me see, let me see if I can, if I, hopefully I understood this enough to be able to give it over. Because I was also thinking like, wait, where did the woman fall in here? So Avram was able now to draw, okay, so Avram and Sarah both existed on this lofty stay, stage, right? Sarai is a Yud. Yud represents Chochmah, okay? Like Hashem's name of Yud and He and Vav and He, the Yud represents Chochmah, the He represents the Bina, then the Vav represents the sixth spirit drawing down into the final He, which is Malchut. So the Yud represents Chochmah, and also just a Yud is a little, just the way that the Yud looks, right? Yud is like tiny, right? It's like a little letter, it's the smallest of all the letters, which represents Chochmah, because Chochmah is all of the wisdom as it's included in this tiny spark that hasn't yet been opened up. He is Bina, because He takes the Yud, I, I, it's going to work better with. Okay, I think we should do it like this. And it does this. No, that looks terrible. One second. <laughs> I'm used to writing in cursive, not in. Okay, this is the yud. What does hey do? That's the hey. It's got the yud, and then it's got this round thing around it. 
It's the idea of the elaboration of the Yud. We have the Chochmah as it exists in a point. It hasn't been opened up. Hay opens it up, right? That's Bina. So Sarai also existed in this kind of state that was not yet elaborated and opened up. And she has the Hay added, so she's able to actually to actually open it up and have it understood. That's Bina. So, okay, I hope I, hope I remember this. So I was thinking about it like, on Mike's Shabbos. So it's been, um, Avram, he was living his life. He was doing all these amazing things. He passed all of these tests already before, um, you know, before the bris milah. Not all of them, but he was already relating to God for like seven. I mean, he felt he was. How old was he when he had the bris milah? Hundred, ninety-nine, ninety-nine or a hundred? Ninety-nine, and then and then Yitzchak was born when he was a hundred. So he was ninety-nine. He found God when he was three. So ninety. Six years. It's a very long time. He was doing all these good things. But everything that he did until this point existed up there, right? And so he wasn't able to truly influence, give influence to Sarah, who's the receiver. So chesed, chokmah, is masculine, right? It's abba, it's av, and it gives to bina. And bina receives the information, and then takes that information and creates a new reality, right? Elaborates on it and makes something more. So... Avram was not able to give to Sarah this influence in a way that was able to have tangible results until after the bris milah. What does that mean? They both existed in this lofty plane where, there, where Avram was giving to Sarah. They were married, right? So Avram was influencing to Sarah and Sarah was receiving from Avram, which is the dy- dynamic of men and women working together in a marriage. And this was a spiritual, holy marriage of two of the holiest people who have ever lived, right? But because they both existed, they lived their lives above the screen, they weren't able to have children. Avram was drawing down this light. Sarah was receiving it, Right? And it got it stuck there until the bris milah, which allowed that when Avram gave to Sarah, it was able to be in a way that Sarah was able to give birth to Das, to give birth to this integration and physically to give birth to Yitzchak. She wasn't able to give birth until then because Avram, when he was giving, it was in a way that it wasn't able to be actually drawn down into this world. So our ability to receive and then to take what we receive and to create something even greater, right? For example, to receive the seed, right, which we're dependent on, and then to make something way better than that, which is a child, right? Bless you. That ability also changed with the Brit Mila. Because now the screen left. And so now when we receive Hashba'ah from Hashem, for example, when we tap into these lights that are being drawn down and we receive them, we're able to make something out of it something even greater. So that process of removing the screen was Avram's job. It's the man's job to remove the screen so that they can draw down their hashbah because a man's job is to be a giver, right? And then our ability to be able to receive that and make something even greater out of it is able to, is able to happen. So this, is, this came from like, based on what we're gonna, this idea is brought here, okay? But in like, in like the Kabbalah of it. So I hope I understood it enough to, yeah, to like trans, right? Then obviously there's also the idea that women are just born perfect because we're, you know, we don't need as much tikkun. Um, uh, Adam was created from, from the earth, right? Yeah. And then, and then Chava was 
made, so to speak, separated from man. So man always has this like complexity of like, I was made from nothing, from dust, right? He has to like kind of perfect himself. And woman knows they come from something that was made by the hands of God. Yeah. So it's interesting because like when you were saying it, it made me think like, isn't there that idea of like woman, like making it possible for a man to go and learn, for example. So we're maybe, not all of us are at home, but let's say stay at home mom at home watching kids while the husband can go and work and, and learn and whatever. Doesn't the wife also gain from, like as if she's also doing all those things? Yeah, I would reframe it a little bit because when it comes down to the tachlit of it, what does God want from us? If, let's say there was just a man, okay, and he had these kids, woman was somewhere, and he was able to either learn or take care of his kids. Taking care of his kids would be more important. So, so it's not only that she's getting like the, the influence of the man, but she's actually doing something that's the most important thing, which I'm saying it, and it's something that's very hard to internalize because of the society we live in, right? Um, man is a giver, so that's do, 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 right? And women are receivers, which is being, the power of, of being and of presence, which is something that's very underestimated in society today. And so it's hard. It's hard to be a woman just because your role is like underestimated. It's not appreciated. Um, but yes, definitely, definitely. You know, you're allowing your husband to learn. That learning has an influence on you. And um, it's so so. It's an interesting thing when it comes to giving and receiving. We see like, okay, we're allowing our husband to like give, for example. So we're also doing something, but. The act of receiving is as important as the act of giving. They're just different roles. Society says giving is more important than receiving. Giving is, you know, the rich man giving to the poor man. He's the, he's the man, right? But they're both getting from God, their money. It just depends on what outlet you're getting it from. So giving and receiving are two different, equally important roles. And Avram wasn't able to give until the bris milah until he removed that screen. And Sarah wasn't able to receive until the bris milah, until that screen was removed. So now we can receive and actually do something with that receiving, which is to take what I've received and make something real out of it. Make a child that has a lasting impact. That's not just a concept that exists up there, a lofty idea. So both are like, actively doing something but one is in a way of like giving and one is a way of receiving i don't know if that makes sense does that make sense yeah it's it's a very it's something i try to remind myself all the time because because it's so hard like for example i could be with the kids sometimes lately with the one stuff like eight hours of my day i'm with my kids like it happens a few times like eight hours of my day and i'm like i really struggle it's like what did i do today i didn't do anything right and yeah it's the most important thing your kids whatever but like okay I didn't feel like I was doing anything because like society says you have to do you have to always create you have to shine right but that's like not actually the only thing that exists that's one role and sometimes I will be in that role of giving right today um make other people are taking care of my kids so I can teach you right but then there's also those times and men have this as well where you have to just be and that being is accomplishing sometimes much more than what you're doing because you're being with your kids and then you're raising up multiple versions of yourself that then can go out and teach even more tar, right? I'm talking to myself when I say this because this is a conversation I always have to remind myself of because it's very difficult because society isn't going to give you like a clap at the end of the day. You were with your kids for eight hours. Like, what did you do, right? 
um, but, but you're doing in both of those cases. And so Sarah also had a similar transformation in this process of the brismila, where she was able to now match Avraham and receive from him in a place that was able to be experienced down here. That didn't just, it wasn't just these spiritual unions. There's a story with the Mitzvah Rebbe. I hope I'm saying this right. That when he, the Mitzvah was the son of the Alter Rebbe and he was like the most, I would say, lofty in terms of removed from the physical world of all the Rabbeim. He was like, he lived in another reality. He would say my marim for 48 hours straight. And his chassidim were, were lifted up to his level. They would listen for 48 hours straight. No, who needs food? Who needs to sleep? It was a completely, and then the Tzemach Tzedek like, was like, not like that at all. He was like, no, no, no. Um, so there's a story that when the Mitzvah Rebbe got married, after his wedding, he was like, great, you know, I had my chuppah, and he went to learn. And someone told him, no, no, you have to like go and be with your wife now. And he, was, he fainted. He was like, what? He thought, he's like, wait, no, but it's like the yichud of the feminine and the masculine. Like, he was up in there with like what was going on like kabbalistically and spiritually at this amazing time of a wedding. And so I was like, no, no, yeah, but like physical. You know, he, he fainted. He was like, what? So it's like, I think of that story when I think of Avram and Sarah, because their union and their life existed up there in concepts, in ideas. And they were uniting from God in that way. They couldn't have a child. A child is like a physical, physical birth of an idea into something super tangible, super physical in this world. And so the screen had to be removed. And by it being removed for Avram, it became removed for the whole world. And suddenly now, when you connect with God, it's not just on a spiritual level, it's on physical. And that takes us back to all of what we discussed until now with the screens and with that you have to work for six days and Shabbat and separating between holiness and holiness and holiness and unholiness, which is that the point is that things need to be done in this physical world down here. And that in order to do that, we need to remove this, these screens. We need to draw down the light as it exists above and draw it down into this world in a way that it can be experienced and in a way that it can transform the physical. And, and in order to- I wonder if there was a screen between their union as well, not just, <clears throat> even though they were married, that the, the, there was some type of, like they were cut, they came together, but even then they were married in the physical, but in the spirit realm, they were still not. So I, mean, I would say, I would say the opposite, that they um, were united in the spiritual realm but in the physical there was a blockage there was a blockage okay that makes sense and, right. and physically there was a blockage Sarah was physically unable to have a child right right there right. was some sort of so thing not working so there was a disconnect between the both of them um, on, on physically but on a spiritual level they were the ultimate couple yeah 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 well, because, right like, Abraham didn't know, like know that she was beautiful until later until he went to Mitzrayim and, and then he's like very interesting. There you but go. The, yeah, yeah. yeah, but that's interesting, interesting that they were married that long. Yeah. <laughs> be like, oh. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so, so we'll finish off this idea. <laughs> we're going to speak about like, the spiritual ramifications of Milan now. Now that we see Avram's transformation from Avram, father who is above, to Avraham, father of many nations, we'll see where does Mila come in. We're going to break up the word Mila as well to Mal Yudke. We'll see what that represents. And... Um, yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna finish off tomorrow. Thank okay. You. Amazing. This is a it's interesting. It's like so short, but it's so it's packed, <laughs> packed with stuff. Okay. Nice to meet you. Have a great day. Thank you.